You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. So this is part two of conversation Charlie and I are having about infidelity. Last time we talked about why it might be happening, what each partner might be experiencing, and what's necessary for healthy recovery afterwards. So today we want to address a question that clients often bring to us when they're in this situation, which is, should I stay or should I go? Um, Big question, right, Charlie? It is a big question. And... uh... Hello again, everyone. Always good to be here and with you, Elaine, of course. Thank you. Uh, it, is a, it is a big question. I think it's super complex. I think there's, um, there can be a temptation that there's a one-size-fits-all solution for this question and that, um, or an easy formula, kind mm-hmm. of a check-the-box formula, and there just isn't. And that's, I think, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is... is one, why is this such a complex issue at some level, but also how can you, what what would be helpful to uh, make it easier? Yeah. Because everybody's different and every case is different and every personality is different and it's just not easy. Right. What do you think uh, creates some of the confusion as people are trying to discern what to do, whether to stay or go? Yeah, I think there are common reasons um, people well, there, there can be a, there can be like common lies or or things people believe that can confuse the process and create mm. confusion. Mm-hmm. So that might be something like uh, shame and the feeling that uh, I should be ashamed if I leave, or I should be ashamed if I go. Like that that somehow this decision has my identity and worth wrapped up in it. And yeah. I think we both agree that's just not. It it could be a, it could be a really, it could be a really great decision to leave. It could be a really great decision to go let's not think about it in terms of your identity. Right. That's not about your value. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to say it, tied into your identity. I think I think that's what people are expressing is this sense of like, it deter- it defines who I am. This decision de- right. defines who I am as a person, which is just too doesn't. big. It's just too big. Right. Okay. It's a piece of your story. It's not your whole story. Yeah. Let's well, right size it. Right. Another one might be, I'm weak if I don't leave him, or I'm weak if I don't leave her, or I'm weak if I can't fix it. Like, I'd be, I'd be weak if I left. I, if I was just stronger. And kind of the same thing. Like, let's not make this about how strong you are, how weak you are. This is about just trying to make the best decision uh, for you in this season. And it's not an, a weakness or strength mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Um some people also believe infidelity just isn't repairable, so it's hopeless to stay. And I think it's been a, clearly our experience that infidelity is repairable. You can go on to live a very happy, healthy life and have a great marriage after infidelity. That's mm-hmm. possible. Um, <clears throat> some people yeah. would say, well, if they've cheated once, they'll cheat again. You know, once a cheater, always right. a cheater. That's just not true. I have uh, clients and, and also I have great friends who have been unfaithful in their marriages and gone on to have 5, 10, 15, 20 years of fidelity after that. And mm-hmm. so it is possible if you're willing to do the right things, which we've right. talked about and we'll talk more about, it's, yeah. it's possible. And the last one would just be sort of a minimization, like it's just porn or 
It's just mm. massages or it's just an emotional affair. So I can't leave. It's it's like it's not bad enough. I'm heartbroken and I want to leave, but it's not bad enough. So I guess I should stay. Right. And um, for some people, an addiction to pornography is just as wounding and painful as for someone else, uh, a full-blown emotional or physical affair. So mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it's really about your experience and, and what... Um, how hard or painful has it been for you? And do you really want to stay? Do you have the capacity? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the questions that's often on the table is, was I even cheated on? Right? Like, some t- t- sometimes people are trying to figure that out. And if their partner is still sort of committed to denial and avoidance, they're going to do everything they can to talk you out of seeing this as actually cheating. Right. And that can be really disorienting for the other partner who who's feeling violated and yet um, isn't really quite sure because maybe the person next door isn't offended by the use of porn or maybe the person next door is like, well, it was only a kiss in a bar and he was drunk or she was drunk. Right. So is it really that serious? And so I think that's another thing that really clouds the issue. Well, and to that point, I think it's it's good to say among sex addicts and often people who are unfaithful we have I, I don't have a study to quote but I'll say experientially higher rates of mm-hmm. narcissism yeah and so the idea I mean I've heard men say well it's just prostitutes like I, I I'm, I'm just paying for it it's a physical need I don't understand why she's so upset right and that's that sort of lack of empathy lack of self-awareness where you go oh this is a little mind-boggling to the mm-hmm. average person yeah um, and so you really some oftentimes, sometimes for sure, can't take the the sexually addicted person or the person who's been unfaithful at their word or kind of trust their opinion. It's like mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to we wouldn't want to take like if if you're the one who's been hurt, I wouldn't take the other person's opinion so seriously. Right, it's like, right. Oh, I'm not sure you're really in a place to give a <laughs> to judgment. Decide. On this. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I think we hear that too uh, with oral sex, right? Like sometimes someone say it's just oral sex and you know, my my uh, response to that is like, you know, if your partner walked in and saw that happening, would they be saying, well, thank goodness it's not sex, right? Like, right. that's just not going to be your partner's experience of that interaction you had with another person. That's absolutely right. And that's, you've said that uh, kind of as a, in, in sort of in our previous discussions as well about like, that's a good gauge of, of, uh, if you got, if you would you be comfortable getting caught doing it? Yes. If the answer is no, it's probably a pretty big deal. Right, right, yeah. Um, Charlie, what if we talk a little bit about how different personalities are going to respond to this differently in terms of asking, um, asking, should I stay or should I go? They're they're going to be using different values or different a different grid. Maybe is a better way to say it in deciding that. Absolutely. I think, uh, so, you know, at the Solker House, we're big on the Enneagram as a personality uh, typing tool to kind of help you understand your personality. The Enneagram, if you're not familiar with it, there's lots of good podcasts from the liturgists and others mm-hmm. who can tell you more about it. But essentially, there's nine personality types, and uh, each one has a number, one through nine. And so, for example, I'm a one on the Enneagram. Ones are... Uh, we can be a little bit moralistic. We are big on right and wrong. We can be prone to perfectionism. We are afraid of making the wrong choice or the wrong decision. And so um, what I would expect if I was working with a one 
who had who was deciding should I stay or should I go is that it might be of more importance to them than others that this is like in line with their moral code mm-hmm. or that if they're if they're a Christian or have some sort of faith background that it aligns with what scripture says or something like that like mm-hmm. and and that's okay I think what we would what I would tell an Enneagram one is not oh, that's ridiculous, like, don't be so worried about right and wrong, I would probably just say, yeah, you're, this is going to be a lot easier for you if there's integrity with your own moral compass. You're a two on the Enneagram, mm-hmm. and so probably be, um, maybe you can explain what that means and mm-hmm. what do you think twos would need as they make this decision. Yeah. So folks who are, uh, are focused on others are often going to be more concerned about the needs of those others than they are of their own. And oftentimes their own needs will not even be on the radar. It's like, first we've got to assess, what does everybody else need me to do? What do my kids need me to do? Which is a, a legit question, of course, but um, sometimes the question goes too far. You know, it's like, what do my friends need? What, do, what does my family of origin need? What, right. what, is, what does everybody need me to do so that they're going to be okay? How can I take care of everyone else? And, um, and I think for twos, too, it can actually be, it's, it's almost like <clears throat> you're, you're probably going to need to think about everybody else. That's going to be a part of your process, right. which is great. Yeah. And then we want to make sure that doesn't go too far either. Right. To put your own needs in the picture as well. It's right. like, am I going to be able to do this? Like, can I live with the tension of this? Can I live with the stress of this? Do I want this? Right. Um, that has to be, that's something that in, in therapy, we're going to keep asking that question. Like, can we take a minute to focus on you? Right. And whether this, what this is doing to you. Right. So with threes on the Enneagram, they might be more image focused. We would anticipate that for those people, uh, there might be they might need to process the loss to their sort of ego identity or some sense of shame at failure. They're also highly achieving people, so if divorce or leaving could feel like failure. Mm-hmm. Fours, uh, it could hit at their own sense of brokenness or that there's something really wrong with them. That's why they're getting divorced. Like they, they just nobody could love them. Or uh, fours often identify with a lot of shame, and so they might need to process through that. Fives, they say, will give you everything but themselves. Mm. And so a five who's ending a marriage might feel like, will I ever find someone who I can give myself to? Right. Sixes want safety and security. Uh, this could be a big loss to that. Sevens are often very optimistic. And I think we've seen sevens going through this question, Enneagram sevens, who are very positive, feeling like, uh, is it okay to give up hope? Because they're so hopeful. Yeah. And eights it's about power and control so this could feel like a very out of control experience and they're going to probably need a lot of control as they go through it that's okay it's like the goal is to let go of some of that but we would probably expect an eight to want lots of clarity things to be done in their timing stuff Mm -hmm. like that and then uh, a nine on the enneagram maybe kind of like twos might need some help actually yeah having a sense of self and having really knowing their desires they're peacemakers so they might just be too prone to giving too much right but point just being whatever your personality is it's okay to have a unique set of hesitations needs things like that yeah there are lots of other questions too we want to encourage people to ask themselves like how how am i doing in the middle of this right like let's say you're you're a couple you're in therapy you're trying to see if you can save the marriage and uh, you know, it's going to be a, a an uphill battle, right? There's going to mm. be good days and, of course, really terrible days. And um, to sort of assess, like, how am I doing? Am I 
Am I developing some resilience for this? Am I, am I growing and moving forward in my own development? Or am I, am I just sort of stuck in the pain and I can't really get beyond it and I'm not really sure my partner's doing that? Um, so we want to look at, are you finding ways to move through this and move forward for your own sake, regardless yeah. of what your partner's doing? And um, Well, is the trajectory good? I mean, that's yeah. such an important part of the discernment. Is, and it's so easy to, again, get caught up in, why should you just buckle up and get through it and not really look at how's this going? How's, right. how's the long term? Right. How's, yeah. how's it look? One of the ways that we can help uh, people do that or make that decision is uh, uh, by using a time frame. That's one of the things that I suggest for couples a lot is just uh, what if we table the question of whether you guys are staying together or not and we just really um, get serious about the work that's in front of us. Uh, can we commit to three months of working our asses off on this or can can we do six months? Like what can we commit to? Um, after which time we'll really reevaluate. We'll say, okay, how's it going? What's the trajectory, like right. you said? And um, is there a reason to re-up again, right? Um, what do you think the benefit of that is for people? Well, I think we want to take off the table this, like, every day, yeah. am I staying, am I going? Because that is crazy-making, right? Of, like, every every time he or she does or says something that that's kind of hurtful or that's sort of like right. about them just like in their stuff, right? I'm not talking about like another another cheating experience, but like they're being thoughtless or they're too tired to do the work or whatever. It's like, well, that's it, right? Like right. I got to get out, right? Right. Um, Let's take that question off the table, which yeah. lowers the anxiety, lowers the intensity. Right. Yeah, because if, if a lot of the time you're landing in, I, I would really like to see if this can be saved. Um, it can be helpful to just say, that's what I'm doing right now. Even though this is a terrible day, yep. I'm, you know, I'm reevaluating on July the 3rd. That's when I reevaluate. Today, I don't reevaluate. Today, I just do the work that's in front of me. I hope my partner will do their work. And then when that deadline comes, we'll look at the whole thing yeah. and we'll decide, are we re-upping re or we, do we just need to call it and let each other go? Right, which I think gives you a better, also a bigger almost like body of work to evaluate. We can look at yeah. all the ups, we can look at all the downs, yeah. and then say over the last six months, how are we feeling about things? Versus like you said, every up is, oh, I think it's going to work. And every down is, oh, it's time to move. Right, and right. It's just easier to, it kind of gives you like a container, that six month period yeah. or three months or whatever it is to, right. let's, stop at, let's stop daily asking those questions. And, mm -hmm. and are we seeing over time, is there more honesty? Is there more self-awareness? Are we expressing our needs and our feelings more? Are we more present with each other? Is there a slow growth of trust happening between us? Um, and, and usually those things are easy to see um, over a period of time. They're not easy to see in the day-to-day. -day, it's true. But over time, you can see those things. Yep, I think that's really good. All those measurements, all those little uh, ways of, of tracking improvement and right. tracking, tracking health. And right. You listed some great ones. Yeah. Uh, maybe let's let's just go through again. Uh, what what's necessary for healthy recovery? Yeah, I think uh, so. On on podcast, the first podcast, we talked a little bit about that. And just to review, what we would be, you know, when you're kind of tracking trajectory and tracking how's it going, we we would want to make sure that. Uh, 
a few things are happening. And so just to review, like in terms of how we heal an attachment injury, that's what infidelity really is. We'd really want to make sure if, if the person who's been unfaithful wants to be a source of healing, there needs to be a heavy amount of validation, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Like the experience your spouse is going through is valid and true. That means validating their feelings, validating their thoughts, validating their desires, really letting them know, of course you're sad, of course you're mad. You're right, I did those things. You're right, they happened the way you're saying they happened. Um, obviously, you don't want to validate something that just isn't true, but the goal is to really be a validating presence. Mm-hmm. The second thing we'd want is to make sure that you're, that there's this significant and repeated apology. Uh, the expression of shame is really important, that which might be counterintuitive, but again, it's not to say, oh, I'm, I'm such a piece of crap. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that healthy sense of shame, what John Bradshaw in the book, uh, Healing the Shame That Binds You, calls healthy shame, which is just like, I'm not God. I'm not perfect. I made a horrible mistake, mm-hmm. and I have a healthy sense of shame over my imperfection. Um, it's like the opposite of arrogance. And so you mm-hmm. could call it healthy humility, too, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and then, and the sense of regret, all of that needs to be expressed repeatedly. And then the thing that I think I would say I see most often not happen that really needs to happen is this is both a significant commitment to getting better so Mm -hmm. that means and that means action that's not i'm gonna get better and i'm gonna be different without any change uh that really means like i'm going to do something different now i'm going to have more accountability in my life i'm going to have filters on my computer or i'm going to have uh i'm going to go to therapy i'm going to go to group therapy i'm going to I might be in a 12-step program if this is an addiction. Like I'm, I'm, I am leaning heavily into a solution that's going to make me healthier and prevent this from happening again. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm, I'm really creating a lot of reassurance and safety in the marriage that wasn't there. So I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on building intimacy, building trust, pursuing my spouse, um, doing the things that I know create safety and, and, and um, hope for them. And so it's kind of this, like, I'm actively making sure it doesn't happen again, and I'm actively repairing and really pursuing this person I'm committed to. Nice. I think if all that happens, it goes pretty smooth. It's just hard to do that for months and months and months. Yeah. Yeah, so even in the middle of somebody who's really trying to do that, there might be some days where things are really off the rails, right? I I would say definitely so, in, in my experience. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think uh, often I hear people say, gosh, if my partner ever cheated on me, I would leave them. And then what we see is that uh, it's actually a, it's a lot harder to figure out when it's actually happening to you, when you're, yep. you know, when you're maybe married, maybe have kids, maybe own a house together, right? Like all those, all those pieces really complicated complicate the question and there's been a lot of bonding in some ways over the years right of like all the things we've done together and all the experiences and all the risks we've taken together right so that it mm. makes the question really tough to answer and I think um, you know for people who are experiencing that I think we really want them to hear that like we want to really validate how hard this is to yes. figure out and that really it's up to nobody but you to decide whether it whether it works for you to stay in, whether that feels right to you, whether that feels like something you have the capacity for and the, um, the, a deep, a deep um, willingness to try because it will not be easy. Right. Um, and, then, and then also for folks who decide to leave, just like, yeah, we get that. It's like sometimes the best thing for people to do 
is just let each other go because there's just so much hurt going on between mm-hmm. the two of them. And uh, it does feel like we're just not sure if we can really recover from what we've done to each other. Yep. Well, and I think that's the, what I would say there too, Elaine, I think is oftentimes when, when it first happens, you're really, the idea of leaving means you've already lost safety. You've yeah. already lost the sense of, of closeness with your spouse because of the affair. And now what you're really contemplating is, do I want to lose potentially seeing my kids every day because I'll have joint mm-hmm. custody? Do mm-hmm. I want to lose a huge financial safety mm-hmm. net perhaps because we're going to split all of our assets? Like you're facing, divorce is, is tremendous amounts of loss. The right. social circles. the And so, yeah, of course it's not easy. You have to have to judge, do I really want to walk through this much grief and loss? And oftentimes it's, it can feel overwhelming. And, and on the other hand, there's times when you go, you know, I just can't lose any more. I've already, mm. I feel like I've already lost so much in this marriage. Right. This is just the final last straw, and I have yeah. to I have to get out before I lose any more. Right. I think we understand that, too. Yeah. And then the, the beautiful thing that we often get to see happen, right, because these are the folks who come to us is, is really want to see if they can save things. Is yes. We see, gosh, this, this couple's been through a lot, and yet both of them, like, really pressed in. And over time, we're seeing, wow, these, these guys have really rescued this relationship out of the toilet. And mm-hmm. um, they're experiencing <laughs> some really beautiful stuff between the two of them. So it's, it's really an honor to watch uh, folks work that hard and, and then find themselves in a relationship that mm. feels tremendously different and so much better than, than what was going on before. So we're, we're lucky that we get to do that and see that. So there you have it, part two of a conversation with Charlie on the difficult topic of infidelity. Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, Our website is soulcarehouse.com and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is soulcarehouse and barn. Talk to you soon.